Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to The Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on The Athletic Podcast Network. Before we start today's show, the guys and I wanted to send a shout out to Jonathan Charks and also to send our thoughts and prayers to John and his family and his friends. We love you, buddy. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Partnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. I am Dave Dufour here with Seth and Mo. That means it's Nerder She Wrote. What's up, guys? What's up, Dave? I thought this was the Daily Ding. You're not allowed. You screwed it up. You're done. You're done. You screwed it up at the very end. Anybody that's curious, go check out the September 1st episode to know why. But Seth, he's banned now from the Daily Ding. I'm making the executive decision. I don't think I have any power in that ability, but I'm banning him from the Daily Ding. Yeah, we uh, guys, we're, we're not going to touch on the Cavs and Jazz uh, part of the, the Jonathan Mitchell trade in this episode. If you want to hear our thoughts on it, the three of us did do a Daily Ding right after the trade happened and we kind of laid out what we thought about it. Um, but today I, I want to start with Eurobasket, guys, because this probably the best Eurobasket ever from a talent standpoint. I mean, there's like 30 NBA players or something like that. Mo, we did a little bit of a preview and it's, it's kind of lived up to our hype. No, I mean, these dudes are balling out like across the board. And I think it's, not even just the high, high level guys that we're, we're going to talk about, but it's even the 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 role players in the NBA are going nuts. I mean, Laurie Markkinen is putting up some numbers there for Finland, um, you know, and that's that's making jazz fans pretty excited. I think you got to kind of look at it across the board. This has been a fun Euro League with not just the talent, you know, NBA talent, but also like the games have been a lot of fun. Like there's for those that are curious, European basketball's really good. Yeah, the FIBA rules really, again, everybody knows how I feel about my free time. The FIBA rules really help uh, make me feel like the game respects my free time. Free flowing, it gets moving, you know, no live ball timeouts. It, it's been a, it's been pretty fun. I, I will say this, I have one gripe about the style of, of play in, in Europe. And Eric Name, actually, he shot me a, uh, a text during, uh, during one of the games yesterday can can these teams just get into their offense? They don't need to burn 10 seconds off the clock every time. Slovenia did this at the end of the game. Now, it worked out for them, and they got a bucket uh, out of this possession, uh, but it was a you know shot clock beating jump shot with like a minute left. Uh, they could have just gotten into their offense instead of waiting about – you know, till the nine second mark on the on the clock to to get into that pick and roll. But uh, other than that, man, high level basketball, Seth. This is we might touch on this later in the show, but I think what you said about the level of talents sort of around the world and it's it's been growing steadily kind of all from I think we can agree all from the dream team. 
Um, it's a big reason why the NBA is ripe for expansion. I mean, you're adding, you know, the, the, the level of play from the American talent pool has certainly gotten higher, but then you add the rest of the world. And if there's, if there's now 30, 50, 70 NBA level players just kind of around the world, adding a couple more teams like that, I don't think that dilutes the, the, the talent pool. We're not going to, it's not going to be like when we had expansion in like 90 and 91, when there weren't enough guys to, to fill four more teams with like NBA level players. I think we're I think we're there and I'm I'm all for it. I, I mean, just think about it this way. It's you know, Shen Goon's killing it for Turkey. Like, and there's a bunch of dudes that that we I've never heard of that are playing really well across the board in, in this stuff. I again it's just it's been a fun tournament. The talent level's on another level. Um, Dave, you're preaching to the choir about burning clock. That's something I've talked about in the NBA regular season and how much I go nuts about it at the end of games. So, you know, I'm not shocked to see that. And I'm not shocked to see Luka Doncic doing that with Slovenia, um, with, with all of those things. So not a surprise there, but, uh, maybe that's the one problem. The NBA sort of drifting into the (laughs) European style. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask how you say prevent offense in. in <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, well, let, let's uh, let's talk about some of these stars. I mean, Jokic, Luka, Giannis, three of the five best players, six best players in the world right now, and playing like it. What Luca? What Luca did yesterday? We're recording this on Thursday, the eighth of September. What he did yesterday? Do you guys see that? Floating, driving left on the wing. That's just uh, frustrating. Three that he hit that, over Gobert. That breaks your that's heart. Insane. That breaks your heart. Banking it, banking it in, right? Like that's just one of those things. You go like, that's just as a coach, as a player, you just man, screw this. I'm out. Like you just like, all right, logo threes, logo threes. All of a sudden, um, these guys look like they're in midseason form. I think that these. These three should be the front runner for MVP this year, and easy easy to say that with Giannis and Jokic. But I think Luca, this is this is the year. I mean, it's another. I think this is the year. It, it, the, the problem Mavs aren't going to be good enough. No, but forget about that. Forget about that. Before you even say that, Seth, and ruin the whole fun because um, you're anti fun. Um, <laughs> Luca's been the favorite for the past three years going into the season. Everybody's kind of been waiting for Luca to make this ascension, and this we thought it was going to be last year after the way he played in the Olympics and and, and coming in. We were like, okay, this is going to be the year. It's it's just a matter of when we're going to see it. But I think the the more interesting thing I see, Dave, is this is going to be really important for the teams to manage these guys in training camp. Cause this is now they're literally playing at this level. And you are right. Midseason form, you know, it, they need to roll in a training camp and those teams need to start making sure those guys have legs. Cause all three of these teams are hoping to play deep into the season. So you can't have these guys getting tired towards the end of the year. I think there's a there's a little bit of a sliding scale between the three guys in like someone like Giannis who is sort of um, always in peak condition and and you know been known to overdo it sometimes. I think like the management is is paramount there. Jokic who's been in in kind of better condition the last couple of years, um, maybe a little bit, and also has a big. I think that for for Luca, just the fact that he's going to be coming into camp like not having to play his way into shape, I think that's a I, I, while while seeing your point that they need to they need to balance his load, I think he might be just better able to, you know, not fatigue late in games as we've seen uh, basically over the course of his career. Now that he's just he's coming in in better condition. Now again, 
managing that so they're peaking in May, not you know January, is is going to be the challenge. But um, I, I think that it's a, a different challenge for each of the three teams. And I don't worry about that as much with Luca. I mean, the guy is so young, and again, this will be the best shape he's been in to start training camp, maybe since he came to the league. But he's good, unquestionably. Last year, you know, in January, he started rounding into shape. He had that ankle injury, and I think that that allowed him to to improve his conditioning a little bit. I think he's going to start, you know, just start the season off running. Yeah, no, no. It's, because of it, this. Yeah, but I also you also got to look at the fact that he's going to have a larger load this season, right? Let them losing Jalen Brunson. Who knows, you know, uh, maybe they go sign a Dennis Schroeder or something like that to continue to help. But that's not like – that's not Jalen Brunson, right? Like that's not the, the level there. Maybe Spencer Dinwiddie continues that run that he had after the trade deadline. But the it's, it's, it's a bigger load for him in that sense. So on top of that, he is in better shape. I agree with you guys on all that stuff. I'm just looking at preparing for April and May. Now you got to start thinking now about load and, and, and all of these guys, you know, and, and, you know, listen, Jokic is going to have a lighter load in theory with, with all those guys healthy. Giannis is a freak. That's literally his nickname. Um, So I think you're in that situation, but you you do have to keep an eye on it for all these teams. And I think that's something Bud has to relegate, regulate, excuse me, not relegate, regulate often. Um, That's me being worried about Liverpool these days. Um, That's something, you know, Bud's going to have to keep an eye on in terms of, hey, like, I need you to slow down a little bit so you do have that juice come May, June, because we're trying to win it all again. And I think that's, it it, it starts in training camp, guys. That's just the most important thing, the way I look at it, is that that thing starts in training camp. You know, I, we we talk a lot about American players getting a, a huge benefit from national team play, uh, especially young players, because they get to spend time with veterans and, you know, they're they're training every day. And I wonder if we might see a boost in the level of play uh, of some of these guys in Europe that are maybe just in that sub NBA tier, the guys who who are coming up that might be ready to play in the NBA in another year or two, being able to play with guys. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the three guys that we're talking about. I mean, Lithuania has a, a few NBA guys. I mean, Valanciunas and Sabonis, they're, they're NBA guys throughout the Euro basket. And I wonder if, if this, this year in particular, just feels like a culmination of, like you mentioned, 30 years since the dream team, dream team. This is, this is the, the pinnacle of European basketball from a talent perspective. I wonder if we might see some more guys next summer try to make the jump over because they, they've gotten this experience with all these NBA guys. I'm frankly surprised we haven't seen more of that just because as the economics of European basketball have changed. I mean, it was, you know, 10 years ago, it was like, well, I could, you know, make a league minimum to be a ninth guy in the NBA, or I could make, you know, little bit more tax-free and, and be in Monaco or something like that. And it was like, eh, and, and be a star. And that was, uh, it wasn't a hard call. It was like, you know, you get, you know, Juan Carlos Navarro coming over for a year and showing that, oh yeah, he's an NBA player, but it's like, actually it's just better over there. Um, but I think that now we might be at the point where that's, that's flipped enough. The, the benefits of playing in Europe, unless you're like Nico Miritich or something like that, aren't, aren't as, you know, uh, overwhelming so that more players are going to want the, you know, the opportunity, the, the challenge and probably the better, um, more reliable 
uh, remuneration of playing over here rather than in, in EuroLeague. Yeah, I just think people are always going to want to play at the best level. And I think still at the end of the day, the NBA is there. And, and we'll see more guys go there in that sense of, you know, guys may not make rosters and stuff. It's always been the second best option, you know, to, to go play in Europe if you're not going to play in the NBA. You know, it wasn't, all right, there are guys that have to make the decision of, do I go into the G League and hope I get called up and all that stuff or, or whatnot. And play, but that's just a desire thing of whether to play in the league or not. I, I don't really have a, much of a push. But I want to push back on one thing you said, Dave, because you're talking about this kind of being maybe the pinnacle I mean, just think about this fact that I think we're, we're, we've hit the pinnacle already. I mean, the MVPs the past few years have been non-Americans. You know, Giannis, Jokic twice. I mean, you know, Embiid is a, a runner-up last season. You know, and, and last year, the top three was non-Americans. It was Jokic, Embiid, and Giannis. Like, you're right in that mix. So, I think it's um, an interesting thing. I think it also means Team USA, got to start sending your best every time. For every tournament, when we go to the World Championships, the the World Cup, you got to send your best at this point because now it's it's you're, you're not going to walk through uh, these other national teams like we used to. And it, maybe it's not just sending your best, but actually like building a team. Maybe a little bit more, a little bit more, almost sending your best team. I mean, it was sort of like you know, okay, we'll get we'll roll out twelve all stars, and it doesn't. Okay, we've got you know nine wings and a point guard and no bigs. Um, but it doesn't matter because we're just that much better than everybody else. I don't know if that's I, I, like, that seems to be less and less the case. So you might, you know, there might be spots for, you know, a, an all-star player might miss out just because, well, there's no rotation minutes for him. Yeah. Uh, should we talk NBA now? I, I think this is a good time to uh, mention Pat Beverly, newest LA Laker Guys, this was weird because they still have Russell Westbrook on the roster. That's the only reason. I, I love the Pat Bev pickup for the Lakers. I mean, he's he's a better player than maybe any other guard they have on the roster. And, and, and you know, maybe Russ, okay, at least in his role. But the weird part is that Russ is still there and that these guys have been feuding for years. Mo, I, like, was this – you think this is done on purpose? Are they trying to get Russ to, to you know, stay home? Do they want him to ask out? Or do you feel like they're actually going to try to make this thing work? Honestly. I don't, I don't think they made this move with the idea of, like, let's piss off for us and get his, his – you don't do that. No no team is doing that um, for the most part uh, in, in the moves they're making. I think it's more just, hey, Patrick Beverly makes them a better, play, a better team. How much better all that stuff? Debatable, and we will get into that way down the road with the Lakers. But he makes them a better team, better than what what they've had on their roster and so on. So I think that's why they made the move, and I think they had to. Um, it just comes into now this is going to be a game of, yo, player management now. We have to manage the egos. We have to work on this. We have to make sure we're on the same page. You know, Darvin Ham's going to have his hands full. This is a very tough team to coach right now. With First off, the roster still, I think, relatively incomplete. I think they're going to make some more moves. But just looking at what they have, you're not very good. And I think you now got to figure out how to mend fences here between Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly and, and, and try to make this work because it doesn't seem like Russ is going anywhere. And I think they're... Not, it doesn't sound like the Lakers are going to ask him to stay home. So now the question is, hey, how do you deal with this and how do you make this work? This is going to be a big project for the Lakers. 
Does it work, Seth? Um, I, I tend to think these things are fully determined by on the floor. If if they are able to play and play well together, or and Westbrook has a more contributory season this year than he did last year when you know aside from he you know he definitely put up some numbers when like LeBron was out and stuff like that but when playing with LeBron then I think it works um if if they struggle and he struggles then I think um that has a way of exacerbating sort of the existing personal tensions so um that that's sort of my my you know strong prior is that that winning kind of Cures, if not all, most. All. And no, I don't no, see, it's, it's I don't all. Think, it's. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I. The other thing too is just I don't think people understand. Patrick Beverly is a better shooter than people give him credit for. He's gotten a lot better. He's worked on it a lot. I'm not a massive Patrick Beverly fan, but it's one of those things where it's, hey, like it's not completely out of the realm of possibility that those two share time together on the court. Like it's not everybody's kind of treating him like a non-shooter and and some teams do that and they end up paying for it. You know, like he's made improvements in his game with things. And, and I think that's something to keep an eye on. The, the irony really is that he is a sizably underrated offensive player. And at this point in his career and possibly for a lot of his careers is, is a somewhat overrated defender in that he's, you know, he's, he's in, in my book, I talked about this. He's, he's the example of, of kind of, you know, the efforting getting into people like, you know, clapping his hands after committing a foul. He is annually one of the league leaders in committing non-shooting fouls in the bonus. And like those may look like effort plays, but that's basically just giving up layups. Fake hustle. Just, yeah, Fake you, send, hustle. you send an NBA player to the line for two free throws. It's you know you've basically given up a layup. Yeah, definitely. Fake hustle for sure in that in that environment from him, and a lot of jarring talk, and that doesn't actually maybe. I mean, did you see what he said when they were asking if he was I, excited? I see, to- <laughs> that was my next point. Hey, that was my next point. I actually think from a personality perspective, I'm here for that. This is a good addition. I think they need a little bit. The Lakers needed a guy who has a little bit of dog in him. And whether it's a, you know, hey, whether he's selling wolf tickets or not, I don't know. I'm not here to judge, but I like that he's coming in and mixing it up a little bit. I I thought the joke about the playoffs was fantastic. You know, uh, he's right. Patrick Beverly did make the playoffs last year. That's why they brought him in. I mean, if he, if he wasn't at least perceived as a winning player, they wouldn't have brought him in. And, and I, I like the attitude, man. I, I think that, I don't know. I feel a little bit better about the Lakers with Pat Beverly than without him. Um, we'll see. I, mean, I don't know how it's going to translate am, on the court. I am, though. I am very excited <laughs> for the Laker Clipper games though, because there is going to be some animosity in that, that push from him. So I think we're going to see some of that from him. And I think that's going to be a fun, uh, fun game to keep an eye on. Listen, I, when Reggie Jackson and Russell Westbrook get into it, what does Pat Beverly do? He encourages them both because he's 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 <laughs> rooting for mutual demise. Like he, he's hoping that they both go at him. <laughs> I, I, but back to the the fit in the Lakers. I also just like the fact that there's someone in a prominent position with the team who's actually like counterbalancing LeBron's influence a little bit, like someone who will actually like stand up to him. I no, no, I mean, to, to, you know, it's, it's a joke, but, but he, but he's a guy who, you know, go ahead. Sorry. No, Mark. no, I've, I've seen it though. It's, it's not influence. 
it's fake influence. It's the same as his fake hustle, right? Like it's all of us in the media perceiving that. I don't think he carries that weight in the locker room the way people think. And I think that's something that was evident in that year with the Clippers when they got Kawhi and PG. And, you know, a lot of those guys, him, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, were all kind of upset with some of the treatment those guys were getting. Those three guys aren't on that team anymore. Like, I don't think it's a, I, I don't know if it's as perceived the way we perceive it. I don't know if it's received that way in the locker room. And I think that's an important thing there. And I don't know if the guys are going to ride with him in that sense. You know, it's, it's it really going to come down to, and LeBron and him are pretty close from what I understand, or at least friendly. So it's fine. But like, I think there's, I, I don't know how much weight I'm going to give that in like, okay, that's another voice, you know, that he can go at LeBron. Like, I don't think he's going to matter that much in that area. We're, we're going to talk about the Knicks and what they do now after a quick break. Look, you know, New York, look, New York is the mecca of basketball. Do you think that's going to affect you getting guys like Kevin Durant or, or, or Kyrie Irving that they're going to say this place is kind of dysfunctional? I mean, they've lost more games than any team in basketball for 18 years. You, I mean, you've got two max slots that you want to give to somebody and then something like that comes out. Does it concern you that it will impact whether people want to come here or not? No. Ride, ride that slide. Close your eyes and just glide. New York is the mecca of basketball. Hold, hold on tight to the stream of your kite. New York is the mecca of basketball. Okay, guys, Donovan Mitchell is not a Nick. And we basically thought for the entire summer, the Knicks were going to make a move. So did the Knicks. And now he's... <laughs> and now he's in Cleveland. So uh, the Knicks missed their man. They got one of them. They got Jalen Brunson. They didn't get the backcourt partner that they wanted. What do the Knicks do now, guys? Is it just keep the powder dry, hope there's another disgruntled star? I mean, this seems to be, God, this is a decade of this that the Knicks have been doing. I I think this is this is a little bit different. They're not part of it is they're fortunate that the, the cap environment is such that like deals that might otherwise be ugly uh won't be um or are less likely to be. Um and they've they've been somewhat circumspect about not signing, you know, middling players to long guaranteed contracts. So they're not in that same, you know, just keep digging kind of situation that they've they've typically been in, you know, basically since like the mid aughts. Um, so on that front there, there, it's not quite the same thing. On the other hand, this does feel like they're in a little bit of holding pattern. And I don't even think it's, it's the roster so much as it is on the bench. I think the most important thing for the Knicks is, all right, is Obi Toppin someone we want to keep around? Can Emmanuel quickly be a starter in this league? What, is Quentin Grimes ready to, to do more? Um, and you just, with Tibbs there, they're just not going to get that information. I mean, yeah, that's the name of the game for the Knicks. Like, I I think we were all kind of not disheartened when they didn't get Donovan Mitchell, although we were all expecting him to get him. The I think it's just they got to develop these guys. It's just at the end of the day, these young guys got to be developed. They got to put the time in there. And I think, you know, we've, we've criticized Tibbs consistently from the moment he was hired saying that's not what he does. 
you know, and he, he, he develops guys, but it's like he's not going to sacrifice wins for development right now. And that's what the Knicks need to be doing. And I think that's their situation. And I think they that miracle playoff run that first year really put them behind the eight ball because now expectations were raised. Right. We saw them last year and they crumbled on those under those expectations. Randall did not handle getting the extension well and not playing well. And then the New York fans getting on top of him. He's walking out of games, flipping off home crowds. I think, you know, you're you're in a weird situation there for the Knicks. And I think, you know, for them, it's. They got to see, we got to see what we have in those guys. Obi Toppin's got to get a lot more minutes. It's got to be a lot more opportunities for Emmanuel quickly. You know, I think Quentin Grimes is going to end up starting this year over Fournier if they don't ship Fournier out somehow. I think there's, there's going to be a really interesting situation, but I'm not like looking at the Knicks all cross-eyed for not getting Mitchell. You know, there's going to, there's a lot of back and forth of what they didn't give up and did and all that. Like, look, man, like, if they got Donovan Mitchell, were any of us going to be looking at them going like this is a top four team in the East? That's the thing, Mo. It, it, they could have given up everything. And then what? They're the seven seed. It if was a bad fit for them. Right. Like, so Cleveland, it's it's fine. Like, this makes Cleveland better. The Knicks would have been better, yes, because they had more talent. But they wouldn't have been a better team. Period. I mean, they, slightly better, but not no. good enough to give up the future. I mean, I'm, Donovan Mitchell is a nice player, but he is not that guy. That would have been like we're, you're, you're talking about like the, the sort of same old Knicks. The same old Knicks would have been like throwing the farm at at, you know, take all the picks, who, take all the picks, all the guys, yeah. you know. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Sorry. I said that cut you off. No, no, no. You're no. You're absolutely right. That's it, it, but that's the that would have been the 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 sort of the the run after the short term stuff. And it does again not to not to keep hammering on this, but it just seems like the difference in perspective that almost it seems like off the court and on the bench they have. Where where you know you said that that Tibbs isn't going to sacrifice wins. I mean. He might not think he is, but like Emmanuel quickly is like good things happen when Emmanuel quickly is on the court. Like, I mean, just look at let that happen. Look at what they did. They traded for Cam Reddish, and he didn't play Cam Reddish. Like yeah. you know, and it's a situation yeah. where they needed to find out what they had in him. Yeah, we're not the biggest Cam Reddish fans, but it's it, it's not like I thought the the fortunes of the Knicks yeah. would have changed with that yeah. trade. But like the front office made a move for a guy they wanted to see and that they're going to have to decide quickly in terms of what are they going to do with him with the restricted free agency coming up and, and all of that stuff. And I think, you know, it's, you don't play him. They don't have any understanding of what he's doing on yeah. the court and how he fits with this squad, building it forward, or more importantly, adding to his trade value if they want in the future, you know, and, and, and things like that. And those missed opportunities, like they cannot get those back. They cannot get those back. Not being able – making the trade for Cam Reddish, not seeing what you've got while you've got him in-house. And now what? Now you've got to make a decision on this guy. That's And this this is illustrates something. I think there's a hole in kind of how we kind of discuss team building. It's like are they a championship team right now or are they building great for the future? We kind of – we often overlook the value of like what you can get done. All right. We're not a championship team. We're not going to get Victor Wembanyama. There's still things we can do productively in that in that interim, and there are teams that are better at that and than others. And I, in many ways, the next year last year was wasted because aside from finding out about Quentin Grimes, like he's good, 
Like that was like that was the that was the best thing that happened for the Knicks last year and possibly the most important long term thing for them. And I like their young guys. I I, I, I enjoy what Obi Toppin had a really great second season compared to what he was his rookie year. You know, I thought he showed a lot of strides and brought a lot of energy into games and things like that. Like I like their young guys and all that. Even R.J. Barrett made a made a leap Seth's favorite player and I feel like you're you're watching those things I think you're you're kind of going like look there's stuff here that we can work with and start building upon you know it's uh, let's not look at the current present Lakers but just think about the Lakers when they had Lonzo Ball Brandon Ingram all of those guys right they built all of that up from the ground up and then were able to make the big move like that's the model the Knicks should have been should be looking at and then you know, for me, the mistakes that some of the front office decisions they made, they didn't have to extend Randall, right? The The contract they gave Fournier was pretty big. I don't feel like that was uh, – they were really at a risk to lose him if they offered him maybe a little bit less in that scenario. You know, the Kemba Walker thing, I'm not mad at. That was just a swing for the fences. Hey, buyout. We can try to get him on the cheap. But I think you're looking at these things and it's like, let's work on developing those young guys and really kind of building that up. And I think – they didn't do that, and I think that was the difference, right? The Lakers' rebuild really led them to Anthony Davis and eventually a championship. Obviously, LeBron had a lot to do with it. I get it. But, like, there's that concept and that idea, and that's the way the Knicks probably should have been building. And I think that's the the situation they kind of missed. Uh, it's that time of year again, guys. It's time to talk expansion. We are in early September. We're all out of things to talk about. So the rumors have started, and and look, when they expand, because they will expand, there's too much money in it, it's going to be Vegas and Seattle. I think that's our, we all assume that that's correct. I mean, Seattle's getting a team. My assumption is Vegas is also getting a team. If you look at the success that Las Vegas has had, football, hockey, WNBA, it's inevitable. Las Vegas is becoming a professional sports city. We, We all know you know, summer league is based there and, and and it's great. And, but people were worried that Vegas couldn't support professional sports. And, you know, over at the athletic to Sean Reed just wrote about this, about how Las Vegas has turned into a professional sports town. The NBA's next guys. Yeah. It just makes sense. You know, I mean, the NBA's ties to Vegas have been there for a long time, longer than the NFL, longer than the NHL. I mean, Las Vegas Summer League, right? I think the NBA just got so scared with the disaster that was the Las Vegas All-Star Game um, scenario. But I think, you know, especially now with gambling becoming more prevalent and, you know, eventually going to be legal in every state, if not nationwide, just a full-on federal thing, I think there's no reason not to do it and not be there. And I think, you know, honestly, Dave, this is probably going to be a wild thing. I think the NBA might want to build an NBA office, on the West Coast, and Vegas might be a great spot to do it. Nice little travel hub. What, what do you think, Seth? Uh, Vegas and Seattle. Uh, how do you feel like that's gonna? Is that gonna throw the league off to to add two more teams? I mean, th- th- we'll have to do some realignment. Yeah. But no, we, I mean, we we talked about it earlier with Euroleague. Like, there's enough. Play- we, I mean, I think we've clearly seen there's enough players that there are, there are enough good. Like, yeah, they're gonna be 
some, like the distribution of the top players is going to be the same. There's not enough top five players for 32. There's only five players. Too, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Five. Exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've got correct. 10 in my top five, um, guys. But no, I think, I mean, I think some realignment, like, hey, moving Memphis to the East probably overdue. Just, you know, in terms of, of probably, um, you know, Probably some benefit of some realignment with with team travel probably has some benefits as well, and then they're not being a team in Seattle as a proud son of the Pacific Northwest. Like, not having a team in Seattle has been has been just completely ridiculous because that's been, it's always always a, a really strong basketball town, and and the team there is kind of a no brainer. And you know, kind of getting rid of using Vegas as a stocking horse to force cities to build arenas. I think I, it sort of feels like that worm has turned with a number of, of teams across sports now ownership realizing that owning a stadium is is a profitable venture in and of itself. So yeah, we'll take public money if it's there, but it's not a necessity as it as it might have been, you know, five, ten years ago. And like just look at Seattle and the success of Seattle Storm have had and shout out to Sue Bird for uh freaking unbelievable career. Um but I think, you know, you're Seattle's just desperate for a team it deserves to have a team it'd be actually you know who would really help portland it'd be nice for portland to have two road games that are not you know hundreds and thousands of miles away i don't know miles and how far portland is from everything but i just know it's freaking far and i think it would just make it easier in terms of creating a rivalry again portland and seattle and having that fun and those types of things like i'm sorry oklahoma i'm still pissed off you, that the Sonics should have never been taken out of Seattle in the first place, and I think that's the uh, the situation. But if there's expansion and it's not in Seattle, I might riot. Forget the people, I might riot. They're like the league with the schedule and kind of these baseball style like like series almost fitting those mini series in. It seems that the NBA has realized that getting some some spicy rivalries is is good. And let me just let me say that one of the best like sporting atmospheres that I've experienced was I went to a, a Sounders Timbers game in Portland and like it was mostly good natured, but it was the the like, you know, this is not something we generally have in the NBA is is a large like visiting team contingent, uh, which is something that I that I've always found adds to the atmosphere in like European soccer. Um, I think I think those games would be pretty lit. And and I I would like I I would enjoy seeing that and I think that is frank, like not just in person but I think that helps the TV product if, if like there's some back and forth between home and, and visiting fans. I mean, if Clipper fans went to Staples for their own home games, they might <laughs> we might actually get it. It's usually the other team. Uh, sorry, cheap shot. Uh, but I think yeah, I think there's a lot of fun there. And I, look, I actually gonna take us on the tangent. I love these baseball s- schedule series type things that they're doing because it's actually fun also on the coaching side right it's almost like a mini playoff right two games we get to see what we did the first game what's adjustments can we make in the second game scenarios i think it's fun i think we're gonna really be in an interesting spot with all that my my concern is you're just gonna have load management too often Uh, when when teams are playing i mean there's uh i know for for some odd reason, I looked at the schedule today. Dallas plays a back-to-back in Portland, 14th and 15th of January. And I, I wonder, oh, okay, 
will we see everybody both nights? I, I, you know, I'm not sure about that, but I do like the idea of trying to establish these rivalries that that we all feel should be there. They're actually trying to build them up. I, I think that's good booking. I would I would push back on that. I think you're more likely to see those two guys, the the the, the guys play because there's no travel in between. That's a, that, that's a fair of point that, of that. So it's they play the one game. They're going to get to the hotel at a decent hour. Going to sleep in a bed in theory, by the way. All of this is theoretical. We know people tend to move uh, uh, through the night. Um, but, like, get a good night's yeah, rest. Portland. Get a good night's rest. You're basically not hopping on a plane flying into a new time zone, right? And as much as everybody wants to talk about all oh, the nice hotels and private planes, you change in time zones, it wipes you out. So, And just getting on a plane, just the, getting on a – being in a pressurized, like, uh, you know, I think that was that was a big part of, of – I thought that was a big part of why, you know, some of the bubble play was so good and especially the shooting was so good in the bubble is guys were just better rested from not getting on airplanes. Yeah, and I, I, I want to jump in just, you know, because we are talking rivalries. Rivalries are built in the playoffs. Everybody, please get excited for Minnesota-Memphis. That's going to be a fun rivalry, yes. right? Like there's there's animosity there. Get excited for Memphis, Golden State. Seems to be Memphis is in a lot of the middle of all of this, um, <laughs> you know. But get get excited for some of this stuff. Laker Clippers with Beverly, he's going to make it spicy in, in in one way, shape, or form. You know, there's there's gonna be some animosity in some of these things. I think we're gonna see some stuff maybe in the East Coast with you know. Boston, Philly, Boston, Milwaukee. Like, I think there's a chance for there to be some of that. Miami getting involved in some of these things. I think we have a chance to start to see some rivalry stuff, but I always felt like rivalries were built in the playoffs and we're beginning to see that kind of start to seep in with, with some of these teams. So I'm a little fired up on the the rivalry talk. Can you imagine a Portland, Seattle playoff series oh, in this day dude. and age? Oh man. I don't know I, I don't I, I don't know what good friend of the pod Kevin Pelton would do, but it'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be fun. They should play the games in Vancouver. Uh, you guys got anything else before we wrap up? <laughs> That's another city that needs to get back in the NBA, uh, but a whole other story. I don't listen, I don't know if we need to go to Vancouver. Uh, you know, that's just me. Um I, I'd rather see, you know, expansion to Europe before we uh, start talking okay. about that. Also, figure out travel, I mean, Dave. We just talked about hey, traveling, and you're going to just send need, the team just to need Barcelona. We just need Barcelona to throw the bag at LeBron, Bronny, and Bryce and just try to bring them all over for, for Seth, a year. This, this is uh, the Euro League. This is the Euro Cup. Yeah. Freaking now he's all in on yeah. let's go. <laughs> trying to change. Barcelona signing players they don't have money for. Where have heard that before? <laughs> there you go. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week, folks. Thank you guys for listening. For Seth and Mo, I'm Dave. Keep it locked in to the Athletic NBA Show. This is Nerder. She wrote. That doesn't stop them from telling us. Right. They, they, and they do.